Listener Production. Australia Today's Morning Agenda. Morning, I'm Amy Goggins, filling in for Natasha Belling. Let's check what's making headlines this Friday, the 4th of February. Well, pressure continues to mount on the Morrison government as the country's aged care sector reaches crisis mode. A specialist task force will be set up to investigate the soaring number of aged care deaths, with more than 500 residents lost to the virus since January 1. That's more than all of last year. Aged care homes right across the country are struggling with staff shortages, dwindling numbers of rapid antigen tests and PPE. Speaking at Parliament's COVID committee this week, Aged Care Minister Richard Colbeck says the sector is coping. I don't accept that it's in complete crisis. The sector is performing and has performed exceptionally well. It comes as Labor demands the resignation of Mr Colbeck after he opted to go to the cricket instead of a parliamentary inquiry. Federal Opposition Leader Anthony Albanese says the situation beggars belief. Today I'm angry. I'm angry because I've spoken to the families of aged care residents who've had enough. Richard Colbeck must resign today. Queensland authorities have revealed they are planning for the worst after a new study found one in six households on the Gold Coast have COVID but don't know it. The state's chief health officer, Dr John Gerard, says 117 Gold Coast homes were randomly picked with a person tested in each. 20 came back positive. That's one in six people on that one day. That one day, the 22nd of January, one in six people were positive on a PCR test collected at their homes. While it's understood only four out of 20 actually had symptoms. In breaking news this morning, the leader of terrorist group ISIS has been killed with innocent people among 13 deaths during a US raid at his Syrian home. Abu Ibrahim al-Hashimi al-Qarashi blew himself up and his family during the operation. American President Joe Biden says they did everything they could to protect civilians, opting to send in special forces opposed to an airstrike. Knowing that this terrorist had chosen to surround himself with families, including children, we made a choice to pursue a special forces raid at a much greater risk than our, to our own people. Briefly today, experts have weighed in on the discovery of James Cook's Endeavour. The Australian team involved in the search are confident the wreck has been identified off the coast of Rhode Island. While the US group involved are claiming confirmation may be premature. And Novak Djokovic has vowed to tell his side of the story after he was deported ahead of the Australian Open. The tennis star sat down with the Serbian president, thanking him for his support and calling the situation an unfortunate event, asking fans to be patient, saying he'll reveal all soon. Now let's check what's happening in your state with our reporters on the ground. And we start in WA. The Prime Minister is backing the state's decision to indefinitely delay its border reopening following the Omicron outbreak. Our Perth reporter Emma Griffiths has more. Yeah, that's right. The PM has backed the McGowan government's decision to delay our border reopening, which would have come down at 12.01 tonight. Scott Morrison believes it's the right call to reassess COVID's Omicron strain. It comes as we deal with our own outbreak in the West with 19 new locally acquired infections just yesterday, with all but three linked to known clusters. While the virus has now made its way into a fourth southern suburb school, sending students and staff from 
Atwell College into isolation. It's caused a huge spike in West Aussies getting tested as hundreds are forced into quarantine for two weeks. Premier Mark McGowan has told the ABC that isolation rule isn't changing for now and we're in a better position than other states. Other states have had months and months and months of all their schools being closed, but unfortunately this is going to increase in the future, but that's that's the reality and fortunately we've avoided most of that for the last two years. And to Victoria, the AFL is anxiously waiting for news from the state government about changes to crowd caps on sporting venues with hopes it can get a full house at the MCG for round one. Our reporter James Lake in Melbourne says the only thing that might stand in the way would be another surge of COVID infections. That wouldn't make anyone happy, Amy, especially not footy fans who are desperate to see the 2022 season run as smoothly as possible. The opening game for round one is scheduled on Wednesday, March the 16th at the MCG. A grand final rematch between the Demons and Bulldogs for fans who were blocked from entering WA to watch last year's season decider. Now, if capacity caps are scrapped, the AFL's confident it can get more than 300,000 people through the gates at the MCG, where four games are booked for round one. Now for the latest in business and finance news, we're joined by Scott Phillips from The Motley Fool and The Good Oil podcast on Listener. And Scott, unemployment is down, but almost nine in ten businesses say that a shortage of workers is hampering growth. Amy, good morning and happy Friday. Yeah, that does seem like the challenge, at least for now, of low employment and almost zero immigration. And this is always going to be a challenge, right? Employees, we want more money. We'd like higher wages. We'd like to say, hey, if you want the jobs filled, pay us some more, we'll come and do the work. On the flip side, businesses are saying, look, we don't have the right skills in place or that would simply be too expensive for what we're looking for. It's a healthy tension in the economy. It's exactly what you want to make sure things function well. But if it goes too far one way or the other, it does become a problem. We know, of course, that COVID has really hurt uh, what they're now calling absenteeism, basically plenty of sick leave when people aren't being able to turn up to work because they're infected or close contact. But it's going to have to be an issue that governments around the country address in 2022 because getting that right balance really, really important for us to get back on track post-COVID as the economy recovers. Mm, Scott, and speaking of jobs, 1,100 have gone and more to come as Westpac hands down its quarterly earnings. Yeah, so this was fascinating yesterday. They basically handed out what was a flat earnings number, about $1.6 billion for the quarter, very, very large number, but they can't try as they might get that number to grow. The competition is great, which is good, again, speaking of two sides of the coin, great for us borrowers who are paying lower mortgage rates than they otherwise would, but that's squeezing Westpac's bottom line. And pretty much the company said, look, the only way we're going to get away with this is to cut a heap of jobs. They're looking to cut up to 20% of head office jobs. There will be branch closures almost certainly. The banks won't talk about it because it's super politically sensitive, but they're going to have to do something because particularly as house price growth slows and then potentially goes backwards next year, according to some of those big banks, it's going to come down to how well they manage their costs when it comes to the shareholder returns that they're looking for. And Scott, we all love a bit of good news. Bit of good news to finish up this Friday. (laughs) It seems the uptake of renewable energy has helped Australians with some of the lowest power prices in the world. How good is this one? This is a really, really nice story. I like it for a whole lot of different reasons. Obviously, the environmental benefits are very clear and we all like that. But this is obviously a financial benefit as well. And it goes some way to, if not resolving for good, at least putting away for a little while those concerns that renewables will lead to higher energy prices. That was a lot of the refrain we heard over the past three to five years of, you know, carbon tax this and energy prices that. What's been great is now we know that renewables are more than a third of our power grid. 
which is just amazing if you think about it. 10 or so years ago, coal was probably 85, 86%, now down to less than two thirds. And it's all not only great for the environment, as I said, but it is coming through with lower power prices because renewables, once they're installed, are much, much, much cheaper that actually things like coal or gas because the raw material simply isn't needed. Sun or wind or waves uh, come no matter whether you like them or not. And that's good for the economy. It's also good for the environment. And it's good for all of us on a Friday morning. Some feel-good news on a Friday. Thank you, Scott. <laughs> Have a great weekend. Thanks, Amy. You too. Time for sport now with Hamish Finlay. And Hamish, let's start with the Winter Olympics. Our freestyle skiers off to a flying start. Yes, uh, good morning, Amy. In particular, Jakarta Anthony, a gold medal very much inside after she qualified first in the women's moguls. She now has to wait a few days for the final. So exciting to finally get to compete under the lights. It's been a big four-year build-up and then the last week's been crazy with some a lot of training days, a lot more than normal. So stoked to finally get to ski it. Uh, that audio from Seven there, Britt Cox also made the final. Different story for our men, though. None of them made it to the top ten, including medal hope Matt Graham. But they get a second chance to qualify. As for our history-making curlers, they suffered an 8-2 loss to the Czech Republic. And, of course, we've got the opening ceremony tonight. Carrying the Aussie flag will be aerial skier Laura Peel and figure skater Brendan Kerry. And, Amy, that's the first time we've had two flag bearers, one of each sex, at the Winter Games. Fantastic. Can't wait for that. Now, Hamish, to the cricket, after months of speculation about his future, it's finally D-Day for Justin Langer. Yeah, the Cricket's Australia board will meet today to decide, firstly, whether to keep Langer on as coach, and if so, how long. Langer has made it very clear he does want to keep coaching, but only if it's a longer-term contract. Skipper Pat Cummins was asked about it yesterday and chose his words carefully. Well, it's part of speculation, which I don't think is really healthy. I don't think it helps anyone, so just don't want to add to it. And our women's team has retained the Ashes after a 27-run win over England in the first of the one-dayers. The Aussies had to win just one of the three games to ensure the urn is ours. Plenty happening in the cricket world. Hamish, happy Friday. Thank you, Amy. You too. Finally, we might have some answers over the texting scandal between the former New South Wales Premier and a mystery Cabinet Minister in which the Prime Minister was reportedly called a psycho. Former PM Malcolm Turnbull has weighed in while speaking to the ABC. Everybody has a theory about who the Cabinet Minister uh, is. Have you got a theory about who might be the texting minister? Yes, I will name the culprit. Right. It was Colonel Mustard in the library with a smartphone. (laughs) The mystery deepens. And that's all you need to know to start your day with Australia Today's morning agenda in your podcast feed from 6.30am every weekday morning. You can also find the latest episode and a whole new world of audio by downloading the new listener app for free. I'm Amy Goggins. Thanks so much for your company. Have a great day and a great weekend. Natasha Belling will be back with you on Monday.